0: You are listening to Veggie Doctor Radio, and this is episode number 122. Welcome to Veggie Doctor Radio. I am your host, Dr. Yami, board-certified pediatrician, certified lifestyle medicine physician, certified health and wellness coach, author, speaker, mother, wife, and human being. I hope that these episodes inspire you, uplift you, and equip you with the knowledge and tools to live your
1: best life. Are you ready to get started? Let's do it. There's so many parenting books out there, right? There's so many um, options. Out there, for like workbooks and and textbooks and uh, masterclasses, and they're all wonderful in their own way. But a lot of them focus on the child, um, and in reality, I feel like so much of parenting is about the parent. It's about how we experience things. It's about how we, you know, we have expectations um, of ourselves, of how our day is going to go, of our spouses, of our you know of our kids or whoever, and the friction happens. When those expectations are not met.
0: Hello, hello, veggie lovers, and thank you so much for joining me today. Guess what? Veggie Doctor Radio turned three years old this month. Can you believe it? And we have started the fourth season with a refresh. So, a new cover, new cover art, new music, a new fresh intro, and it's time for some new beginnings. I hope you like it and enjoy the changes, and I hope that you've been enjoying the superior listening experience. However, I'll have to say that today is very odd. I'm in my bedroom recording today because my kitchen remodel started today, and I couldn't go record down in the basement because my husband is post-call from a night shift, in the hospital. He's an internal medicine hospitalist. And I can't go record outside because it's hazardous air quality. And I can't record at my office because now um, I'm subletting my office to an amazing dermatology nurse practitioner. So there's probably going to be some background of demolition noises, which is really hilarious, but you know, the show must go on. So thank you so much for joining me for this amazing episode. I know you're going to love it, but I have a really fun giveaway in honor of Veggie Doctor Radio turning three years old and starting the fourth season. I want to give away three 30-minute laser coaching sessions. Yes. You can meet with me over Zoom for 30 minutes and I will coach you on one issue that you're having either with yourself or with your child when it comes to nutrition or plant-based nutrition or a goal you want to reach or any of that kind of stuff. I am a national board certified health and wellness coach, so I can help with those kinds of things. And I did a few of these just to do some market research and they are just so fun and I love it in order to qualify to be entered to win one of these three 30-minute laser coaching sessions with me, I'm asking you to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts for my podcast, Veggie Doctor Radio. So what I'd like you to do is go ahead and rate and review it. Before you hit submit, Take a screenshot of your review so I can see what your username is and that you left one, and then I will pick the winners and I will let you know, because if you take a screenshot and let me know over Instagram, you can DM me on Instagram. I'm at the Dr. Yami, or you can email me at Yami at Dr. Yami, dot com the screenshot. And then we will enter you and we will be selecting winners at the end of the month. So by, we'll just say that you have the whole rest of the month to submit. And on October the 1st, I will select three winners and I will notify you. So I will notify you with the way that you contacted me, whether it's Instagram DM or email, I will reply and let you know that you won. So thank you so much for being a loyal listener. I'm so appreciative of you and I hope that you're loving the updates and I'm looking forward to many more awesome episodes to share with you. Really quick before I talk more about this episode, I want to tell you about this cool new app called Vegan Maps, M-A-P-S, Vegan Maps. So this is an app where you can explore over 10,000 restaurants, eateries, and cafes in 150 countries. So you can go in and see what's around you or if you're going to go visit somewhere. You can find if there's any vegan restaurants, they can leave comments, reviews, those kinds of things. I love that there's more resources like this because it makes it easier and easier for people that lead a vegan or plant-based lifestyle to find amazing places to eat. So check it out. It's called Vegan Maps, M-A-P-S, and you can download it on your iPhone and start exploring it. They're making lots of updates to it, adding new restaurants, but right now it already has over 10,000 vegan restaurants that you can check out. All right, I hope you check it out, Vegan Maps. I just got done interviewing an amazing lady and we had such just a beautiful conversation. I know you're going to love this episode. Dr. Seema Desai is so amazing and she has used her experience, even though it's been very painful at times to learn something and to grow. And now she's using that to teach us so that we can experience more fulfillment and joy in our lives through mindfulness. But before I tell you more about Dr. Desai, please remember that I have lots of amazing free resources at dryami.com forward slash free. So you can learn how to replace dairy in your life with recipes, meat replacements, eating out guide, plant-based shopping list, lots of goodies there, all free. Download them one, download them all. It's at dryami.com forward slash free. In addition, I have an affiliate store. So if you feel like you're in the shopping mood, go to dryami.com forward slash shop S H O P and see if there's any products on there that you were thinking of buying anyway. And we can get a small percentage of that to help veggie doctor radio and also veggie doctor TV on YouTube. Thank you so much for all of you that have already purchased my book, A Parent's Guide to Intuitive Eating, How to Raise Kids Who Love to Eat Healthy. I so appreciate you reading the book and hearing your feedback. I really appreciate if you would leave me an Amazon review of my book and let me know what you thought. I've been just so grateful that it's helped so many moms feel better about themselves, but also the feeding journey that they're on. Feeding their children and having less stress. So, thank you so much to all of you loyal listeners, readers of my book, people that have found me through the pediatric series and through all of the other great influencers on Instagram. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm here because of you, and I'm very grateful for you and this journey that we're on together of personal growth and development, learning. How to embrace new habits and behaviors that will give us the health, well being, and longevity that we desire. Just wanna remind you that the information on this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. It is not meant to replace careful evaluation and treatment. So if you have concerns about you or your child, whether it's your eating, nutrition, growth, or mental health, please make sure that you are consulting with a medical professional. All right. Let's talk about Dr. Seema Desai. So Seema is from Austin, Texas, which is a really cool place. I love Texas. I grew up there and Austin is really neat. And she wears lots of hats. She is a wife, mom, dentist, and a yoga teacher in training. And she has a wide range of interests, but yoga and mindfulness towards herself towards others and towards the planet is really what's closest to her heart and i'm gonna quote her she says i love being a mom but my journey as a mother did not start as i expected i found yoga as relief from postpartum depression and as time went on and my yoga practice deepened the mindfulness began to follow and blossom i came to the realization that I find dentistry fulfilling because I get to help people in physical pain. But that through yoga, I could help people not only in physical pain, but emotional pain as well. And in this conversation, Seema and I talk about mindfulness, we talk about mindset, we talk about her very honest and very raw story of postpartum depression. So there's lots of authenticity there. But we also give tips. So she has lots of great tips on how you can start to integrate mindfulness into your life and how you can start to teach mindfulness to your children. And I know you're just loving, you're going to really love this conversation. So I hope that you get something out of it and get some good tips to apply for yourself and your family, but definitely, you know, email me and let me know what you loved about this episode. You can find Dr. Seema Desai on Instagram at Dr. Desai. And her name is spelled S-E-E-M-A, last name is D-E-S-A-I. She also has a website that she blogs on and it's Says SeemaSaysNamaste.com. And again, her first name is spelled S-E-E-M-A. Okay, well, I won't delay it any further because I know that you're going to get so many amazing nuggets from this conversation. So now on to this beautiful interview between myself and Dr. Seema Desai. Dr. Seema Desai, thank you so much for joining me on Veggie Doctor Radio today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this for a really long time.
0: Well, this is really fun. Before we started recording, I was telling you how right now my kids have started school, and it seems like all of a sudden my life has become rushed again, which I don't like. So I'm glad we're going to be talking about mindfulness today because I think that's so important and something that can be so beneficial and helpful for so many people. More people need that. But before we get to the topic of mindfulness, I want to know about your journey. Tell me about your health and well-being journey.
1: All right. Well, so I have two children. I'm a mom of two. Um, and I feel like I, I wanted to be a mom for as long as I can remember. And even in college, like I would drag my, you know, my now husband, we would go into like pottery barn kids and, you know, I would just daydream of how I, yeah. you know, lovely motherhood was going to be and how perfect it was going to be. And, um, I think it was such a slap in the face to go through. My first pregnancy was health wise; it was perfect. It was, you know, what anyone would would hope for. But there was a lot of change and transition happening. Um, we were we moved to cities. We put our house up on the market. My husband um, was studying for his critical care boards and started a new job as you know as an attending out at of residency. Um, we didn't know anyone, you know, in, where we moved and it was just a very, very transitional time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know because I didn't have a mindfulness practice, I I wasn't really aware of just how heavy, heavily things were affecting me, I guess you could say. Um so long story short, the I had my son and it was a very, very incongruent experience um to what i thought it was going to be versus reality um and i'll you know i will never forget i the doctors you know pulled him out and i you know, they immediately put him on my chest for skin to skin and my immediate reaction was i looked at my husband and i go get him off of me he stinks and i went into this whole it just went downhill from there it was mm-hmm such a negative spiral. And it, I mean, of course he looked at me like, how could you possibly be saying this? I mean, since we were in college, you wanted to have a, you wanted to be a mom. Like this is what you, you wanted. And I was shocked. The words were coming out of my mouth. It felt like an out of body experience and the guilt of, even as I said, those words the guilt just Mm. shattered me. It broke me. Um, And it was a really, really heavy experience and it's funny you know you they always say like you, you need to step back and take a look at a, at the picture from a from a a different viewpoint right like it's hard to see things when you're in the thick of it um and i you know we so we took him home he's healthy and i'm you know again physically healthy um and i i don't know this whole experience i kept telling my husband something's wrong with me something's wrong with me and he was like no babe you're just tired this is normal this is you know, this is what it's supposed to be. And it took him a long time to, to realize that things weren't right. Mm -hmm. And it took me a long time to find the courage to stand up to him and say, no, I'm really not okay. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've gone into all of this, like in detail on, on like, I've written several blog posts that are up on my website about, about my experiences with postpartum depression, but I found yoga as therapy for that. Um, And so I really have my, my firstborn to thank because, because of him, I have this beautiful, beautiful journey and I'm so proud and so happy that I can share it with other people.
0: Wow. That just gave me chills. What an incredible story. And thank you so much for your honesty and authenticity, because I mean, you're not alone. I mean, this happens to so many women and you're right. The guilt, the shame, it's huge. I experienced postpartum depression as well. And I remember when my son was around two weeks old, we lived in Texas at the time, which is very close to Mexico. (laughs) And my husband was already back in, you know, working. We were in medical school. And I thought, well, you know, my husband should get back in about an hour. If I leave now, the baby will be fine. He'll come home wow. Wow. and, you know, he'll, he'll see the baby and everything will be good. And I'll be on my way to Mexico and I can just leave. Like I literally was like wow. hatching this plan of how can I just escape this because it felt like a prison. And I, like you, of course, also really wanted to be a mother and had this dream and everything. So I think that it probably happens more than we think, which why as a pediatrician, I tell parents all the time, especially first time parents before they have their baby that it can feel like jumping into a pool of ice cold water. Like you think it's going to be this like warm ocean, (laughs) tropical, you know, vacation. That's what you're imagining, right? We romanticize it. Like all the ads, they just show happy moms and perfect babies and perfect situations. But I tell them it's like jumping into a pool of ice cold water. You're just going to have to do it and you'll adapt. And eventually it's going to be that warm vacation paradise feeling thing. But usually not in the beginning. I mean, some people get lucky and it is, but I think that the more we share these stories, the more we do normalize that some people, whether it's chemical, hormonal, situational, just like you were talking about lots of change. We don't experience it the same way as other people. So thank you so much for sharing that story. And I guess, thank you also for having the persistence of knowing this isn't right, but I want to make it right. Right. Like you, you said, what can I do? So you found yoga. How did you find yoga? Had you already done yoga before, or did you learn about it during the process? Tell me about that.
1: No. So I, um, so we decided to put my son in Montessori school when he was 18 months old, just because Mm -hmm. I couldn't, I'll be honest. I couldn't hack it. Like I couldn't do the stay at home mom thing. I needed a a break. And so Mm -hmm. And also for him, you know, but we made the the decision to put him in school and across the street from his Montessori school was this Bikram yoga studio. And so one day I was like, you know, when we were looking at schools and stuff, I noticed it and it kind of like planted a seed in my, in my mind, like, oh, I'll be able to at least get out and be able to do this. Um, And my husband, you know, before we started him was like, why don't you go try it out? Like, I'll watch him. Like, he won't, he won't die. Like, I promise he'll be fine. Just leave him with me. And so he he did encourage me to um push, you know, to push me out the door and and I once I got my body moving um though I will say I don't think Bikram yoga is necessarily the right thing for a new mom um if you have not been practicing it before. But regardless, um I found movement and I found yoga and it's just something about it that really called to me. Mindfulness was not something that I necessarily um had on the forefront here, Mm -hmm. but it was just more about the workout at that point. Um, but I knew it was going to be low impact, that sort Mm -hmm. of thing. Um, and yeah, it just kind of stuck with me. So I did that for a little bit and then I just, it really wasn't working. My body was telling me that it was just too intense, that type of yoga. Um, so I coupled it with acupuncture and then my acupuncture suggested that I try a different style of yoga and I just started on YouTube. Um, there's tons and tons and tons of great uh, yoga teachers that start out that way. And and so I just found stuff on YouTube. And then, um, yeah, long story short, it was, it was just kind of fated to happen, I feel.
0: Yeah. So it's kind of more of an evolution that you discovered it and started exploring different methods. Well, tell me about mindfulness. How do you define mindfulness? And how has it influenced you in your life with, Parenting and your child, and and all of that. Yeah.
1: Well, so I define mindfulness as being consciously aware. Um, And I think from the outset, that sounds exhausting, and it is. If you try to run a marathon before you know how to even sit, right? Like as a baby, you would never expect a four month old to run a marathon. And that's most people, especially modern society, we are just so geared. You said it yourself, right? The simple shift of having to, um, incorporate school in in your schedule, right? Like it just throws everybody off and we're so focused on go, 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 get it done, get it done, get it done. Our society has groomed us to believe that unless we are bleeding, sweating, crying, and in pain, we didn't earn it. Um, and it's the reality is it's just so far from the truth, but Um, so that's kind of my take on mindfulness is, is learning to be consciously aware and you just start somewhere. I equate it to like a spider web where, have you heard of the, the story of the golden Buddha?
0: I think so, but you have to refresh my memory. Okay. (laughs)
1: So in 1957, there was this uh, monastery and they were moving this uh, clay statue of the Buddha. And in the process of moving it, one of the monks noted a crack. And from the crack was emanating a golden light. Now there are many versions of the story, but this is the one that I heard. So this is the one I'm going to share. Um, so upon further investigation, they found out that there was actually a golden, a golden statue and it had been covered with clay in an effort to protect it from um, an attack that was years and years before. Um, that monastery had been attacked by the Burmese army and all the monks had been subsequently killed in the attack. So no one knew about this. Uh, the monks then had covered that golden Buddha in Clay, in an effort to protect it, because they knew how valuable it was, but i like I liken that to everyone has this inner self, right? this mm-hmm. truly perfect, enlightened version that knows the answers, like deep down inside, we know the next right action, but we've been covered by layers and of you know trauma, um, negative experiences, positive experiences, things that just reframe how we think. and so um, in an effort to I feel like at the center of that spider web that I was referring to is this golden statue, right? Yeah. And things like diet sleep, exercise, the types of friends you have, where you live, your education, not only your degree in education, but also how much you know outside of that formal schooling. all of those things can serve as layers of clay. Mm-hmm. Um, and once you start to, to bring mindfulness to one area, it's connected to the next and the next and the next. And gradually, slowly, over time, you will become more conscious. You will become more aware of um, varying aspects of life and and in, in different ways. And so it's just your own beautiful personal journey.
0: Oh, I love that. Yeah, it reminds me what what you're saying kind of reminds me of having the ability to tune in to your intuition. Right. The more we practice mindfulness, yoga, meditation, the more we remove all these other layers, we can get down to our core inner knowing, our inner wisdom. And yeah. also our inner worthiness, maybe, you know, Absolutely. whenever you talked about how in our society, we really feel like we have to have blood, sweat and tears in order to feel like we earn something. My oldest son is 15 and a half. And he is a go getter, like he inherited my genes of wanting to achieve. And he confessed to me one night, because he's so open and honest with me. And I just love that he just tells me what's on his mind. He confessed to me that he felt that If he wasn't working hard and it didn't feel a little bit painful, like if it didn't feel like it was just a little bit difficult to acquire, that it wasn't good enough because he's, of course, naturally talented in a lot of things. So some things come very easily to him, but he would make it harder than it needed to be. And so sitting down as a parent being like, baby, if you have this belief, it's going to affect the rest of your life that you feel like you have to make everything harder in order to." earn it or in order to it to be worth it. And I think a lot of us have that belief. We sure. do believe that life has to be hard in order to feel like we're good enough. Right. So I'm so glad you brought that up. Well, tell me about mindfulness and parenting specifically. How can we use mindfulness in our parenting journey to improve not only our own mindfulness but our relationship with our children?
1: Sure. Um, you know, it's funny because I uh actually did a post on this about how we as parents and, you know, we're always looking, there's so many parenting books out there, right? There's so many um, options out there for like workbooks and and textbooks and uh, masterclasses. And they're all wonderful in their own way, but a lot of them focus on the child. Um, And in reality, I feel like so much of parenting is about the parent. It's about how we experience things. It's about how we you know, we have expectations um, of ourselves, of how our day is going to go, of our spouses, of our, you know, of our kids or whoever. And the friction happens when those expectations are not met. Yes. So I I've, what I've learned, and, I've, and I'm certainly, I have taken the Positive Parenting Solutions Masterclass. I think it's wonderful. Um, Love and Logic, uh, The Whole Brain Child. There's so many, um, I think it's called Happy Parent. Uh, peaceful Parent, Happy Child, all wonderful, wonderful, wonderful uh, books. I would highly recommend them. Um, but at the end of it, I was feeling like they were all great tools for me to say like in the moment, right? They were all provided great things. But what I really needed to change was my mindset. Mm-hmm. And because if, if you're not upset, if you're not triggered, then you can handle any given situation with so much more grace, Um the way you would want to be, you know, the, the way you'd want to handle them. And so I think what mindfulness, uh, bringing that into your life will so, so wonderfully gift your children with this model behavior of, you know, how to treat themselves, how to treat their siblings. Um, I, I think that it's really, really impacted how we parent, uh, you know, I, I came from the the mindset of I used to put my kid in timeout. Um, I used to believe that punishment was kind of the way to go. And as a child, my mom yelled at me all the time. Um, it was not a it wasn't the best childhood. It was not the way I would want to raise my children. But you know, we have trauma that we carry, and we all do. And so that was kind of how I was doing things, and it wasn't working. And so when I started this mindfulness journey, I think that you know it really opened up and exposed. Just how much I was carrying around, and I feel like um we all have that and and if we can just bring attention to it and treat ourselves with love and kindness, that will translate to our relationship with our child. Mm-hmm. Um, the needs for punishment will go away, right? because you can talk it out, and there's a rational, even with a three year old um you know I've done it and and it's not going to be this deep, deep conversation, but we can certainly bring mindfulness and attention to how we're, how we're feeling into every day to help us better communicate and be better with our kids.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that that first thing you said about expectations is huge because right. when we have mindfulness, we're aware of our thoughts and our feelings. And sometimes we realize that maybe our expectations are unrealistic or our expectations are what's leading us to have this stress and tension. Exactly. That goes toward, you know, like I used to be a yeller. I'm just going to admit that right now. Like I when my kids were little, I was a yeller. That's how I achieved things, but obviously it wasn't achieving anything, right? Like I sure. thought it would achieve things and I learned how to not be a yeller because I found that it was my anxiety, like mm-hmm. I was having all of these expectations about what life should be like and my anxiety was leading me to you know, display it that way and try to control my children that way. It was like more of a control thing, you know? Right. Right. But talk a little bit about expectations. I want to hear about what are some expectations that we have either of ourselves or our children that are leading to some of these conflicts that we're having?
1: I think the biggest two are expectations of ourselves. If If you're the type of parent that gets down on yourself about being upset, like Oh, darn it, I I got mad. I I don't I want to have a, a day where it's just a perfect day where I don't get upset, right? That's mm-hmm. an unrealistic expectation. Um, because the reality is we as humans are we're having the human experience. There's going mm-hmm. to be an entire range of emotions that we experience in, you know, maybe a 24-hour period or even an hour period. And that mm-hmm. is completely okay. So letting go of holding yourself to this standard of again, going back to if there's no pain, no sweat, no tears, you know, we don't need to be the martyrs um falling on our swords, constantly, you know, putting our own wellness at, at the end, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I feel like so many moms and, and dads say, oh, I don't have time for that. I don't have time to meditate. I don't have time to um, you know, sit and eat. Mindful eating is like a big thing in our house. And um th- there's just little things that you can do every day to fill your bucket. And and I think that we have these unrealistic expectations of ourselves to where that's where we kind of get us in trouble. And it's the second you stray from that path. If you're type A, uh, especially, I I know you know what I'm talking about. It's Mm -hmm. very, very difficult to get back on the horse and and press that reset button. But another example, I would, I'll give you an example of what happened yesterday. So we started virtual school um, last week. And of course it's a new routine, but my son was upstairs and we heard the basketball kind of thumping around in the playroom. And um my husband and I both looked at each other and you know we were like, what is he what is he doing? What's and I saw my husband just his face just changed, right? And he started to take this deep inhale to project aloud. He's a very loud person, um, this voice, right? And I was like, hold on, hold on. And I just ran to the stairs and was like, Hey, bud, um, what's going on? Because somewhere in there, with a lot of practice, I realized. Hey, this is something new for him. And it's not clear that our expectations are when it's school time, it's school time. And we need to work on finding scheduled breaks so that we're all on the same page. Right. Like, and it, it took not even a second for my son to be like, Oh yeah, you know what mom? Um, and he explained it to me, right. He was like, I was just taking a break. Uh, I did X, Y, Z, and then, but I'm just going to shoot, like, I want to see if I can get 10 baskets and then I'm going to go do ABC, right? Mm-hmm. There was no yelling. There was no, you know, but that was just that const that reminder of, wait, what is it that I'm expecting and what I think he should be doing versus the child going, but wait, I have a plan and I'm capable of, of executing that plan, but I just need you to stop and listen, right? Yeah. Maybe that plan's going to work. Maybe it won't. Maybe we need to work together to reformulate, but- giving them that validity to, to help with their day, I found has really um, helped with the expectation battle too.
0: Yeah. I love it. And how old is he?
1: He is eight and a half.
0: Yeah. So, and I think too, what I was going to talk about as far as expectations is sometimes we have unrealistic expectations about our children themselves and what we think they should be. And what they should achieve and how they should act, and just oh, bringing yeah. it back to my area of, you know, passion, what they should eat. yeah, you know, Like some parents feel like they're not successful until their kid becomes a perfect broccoli eater and is mm-hmm. checking off every single food group at every single meal. And that brings so much anxiety that then leads to a lot of conflict. So right. I think you're right. It's really about stepping back, taking a deep breath and being like, how can I approach this situation? Are my expectations realistic? Right. Am I seeing over and over and over again that there's just stress and anxiety and conflict? And if so, there's probably something there that needs to be adjusted. So that's a great example. I love that story. Well, tell me more about how we as parents, because I love that approach about focusing more on ourselves. When we improve our own mindfulness when we grow as a human, when we learn more about our own thoughts and feelings, we can become better parents. Sure. So give us some tips as far as incorporating mindfulness into our own health habits and behaviors.
1: I think, um, a lot of us are, are on autopilot. So we, for example, I'll use toothpaste cause I'm a dentist and that's, you know, kind of what um it's my kick is, is that, but it, You buy the same toothpaste, right? You buy the same toothpaste that your mom bought. And then when you go off to college, you buy your own toothpaste, you kind of buy, and it's just years and years and years of buying the same toothpaste without ever stopping to consider like, what is in my toothpaste? Why am I picking this brand? Why, you know, and that's kind of how life is. We, we just go through these same motions without waking up and realizing that we do have choices. Right. So, um, Something that we do in our house, as far as bringing mindfulness to to our lives, is I, we we stop and we we do something called check into our bodies. Um, we have a little timer on our um, smart home device, and it'll go off. Whatever works for you and your family, right? If you guys aren't home, then obviously it going off in the middle of the day is not going to help. But it just tells us like check into our bodies, and the whole idea is to um, stop and and listen to see am i hurting have i do i feel thirsty do i feel hungry do i need to go to the bathroom um what's my breathing like like all these little questions you can really just do a quick body scan and usually there's kind of something off that you can fix mm-hmm. um and just bringing much more attention to your physical body eventually that habit will kind of bring more awareness to where you are mentally Um, And it's a great, it's, it's a really, really great tool that the whole family can use um, to develop this mindfulness muscle together.
0: Mm, I love that tip. And yeah, there's so much to check into because like you said, we just go through life. We have to go one task to another. And sometimes we carry with us this burden of pain or hunger or whatever, but even just emotional heaviness that we haven't addressed. So we just pick it on and we're just like, you know, raging at people or whatever, but we haven't actually taken a moment to tune in and be like, okay, I'm feeling angry or I'm feeling sad or I'm feeling excited or whatever, you know, tuning into our bodies. I have a quick question for you. Do you feel like when it comes to incorporating some of these techniques for your whole family, that both parents have to be on board
1: it's certainly helpful. Um, and that's I think you would agree that most parents would agree that if if one parent is not on the same page, it is just astronomically more difficult to mm-hmm. to be able to create and um, keep a healthy habit. Uh, so I would definitely say that this is something that both parents need to to at least understand or value mm-hmm. before trying to force it because if it's not if if that's not where your family is, um and in in that evolutionary journey to to be able to receive that healing energy, then it's not gonna work. Um, mm-hmm. Mindset is absolutely so key. So yeah, it definitely helps to have both parents on board. Um, yeah. But I mean, I think for us, like my husband is away a lot, um, but he's home a lot. And just the simple communication of, hey, we're doing like the check into our bodies thing when we started doing it, he was like, I don't know what you're doing. Like Alexa's going off three times a day. And you guys are all tapping your foreheads and your chest and your stomachs and there's deep breathing. And he's like, I don't know what's going on. Um, <laughs> and you know, the kids would be like, daddy, check into your body, you know, and he's just sitting here like, I I, I don't know what you're saying. Um, and it's, we just kind of fail to communicate like, Hey, this is what we're doing. This is why we're doing This is why we're tapping. This is why we're tapping here. You know? And once he got it, it was a lot easier for him to, you know, and now he reminds us like, Hey, check your buttons lady. Like, you, you seem a little off. And, um, so yeah. I love that
0: story. That's super cute. He's like, where am I? Who are you people? And what's going on?
1: <laughs> I, just I just got, got on... transported to an alternate universe. <laughs> exactly. He's like, I don't know what's going on here. I don't even know I'm in the right house. Like what's super happening? Cute. Well,
0: talk to me about meditation. How, how do you feel about meditation, both for adults and for children?
1: I think it's such a powerful tool. Um, I, I think in order to be, you don't need meditation to be mindful, but you do need mindfulness to practice meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, I think mindfulness can be more generally applied. Meditation is is very specific, but I think people, when they hear that word, they think of this old Indian sage in a remote cave in Kashmir, you know, or the Himalayas. and um, sitting on uncomfortable positions for hours at a time. And really there's no right way to do meditation in this modern world. We're living in unprecedented times. Meditation can be as simple as a single conscious breath. It does not Mm -hmm. need to be fancy. You don't need to diffuse essential oils. You don't need to be wearing Lululemon. Um, you know, it, it, it is a very, very, um, and I, I will say it's it's simple, but I did not say easy because taking nice. that single conscious breath can be extremely difficult. so um, and do you feel
0: um how do you feel about teaching meditation to children?
1: I think it's a need um, just like food and and clean water. Mm-hmm. I believe with every fiber of my being that if every child were taught mindfulness and meditation, our world would be so different. Mm -hmm. Um, Because with meditation, with mindfulness, what what eventually ends up happening is you start to treat yourself with a lot of love and care and, and how you talk to yourself translates to how you treat other people and how you treat the world around you. Um, you know, and it's no surprise that the people that are, are caught up in the, the anxiety and the day-to-day are the people that are, you know, and I'm not trying to make this accusatory or judgmental at all, but it's just kind of a pattern that I've noticed is the people that don't care about the earth or realize that it's a problem, um, you know, it, it, I feel like that can kind of be seen, evidenced in other areas of their life, right? Because, the way they talk to themselves, the way they talk to their kids, the way they talk to their, their friends or spouses or whatever it, I think it's all just so deeply connected. So I think that allowing these children to experience the natural state that we're born with, this is innate ability to stay with our breath and, and be in the here and now um, you know, standard American lifestyle leads to standard American health problems. Mm -hmm. Um, So if we want to avoid the anxiety, the diabetes, the heart disease, the, you know, you probably have, you know, 50,000 other ADHD, you know, as a pediatrician, there's so many things that can really be avoided or improved with just breath. And I, I strongly believe that it's a need.
0: Yes. Yes, for sure. And yes, all the mood disorders too, you know, like this epidemic of depression and suicide we have. I mean, I feel like it becomes a thought habit to think that way, to think in a depressed state or to be anxious all the time. And even though I do think that we, certain people have genetic predispositions to maybe leaning that way, we can learn skills and tools to help us through these things. And that's what I try to teach my patients and my patient's parents too. Well, you talked about the body scan or the check-in, which I think is a great idea. And I love that. But what other tips can you give us to teaching mindfulness to our kids?
1: Um, You know, what I like to always say is be consistent Mm -hmm. and be patient because learning something new takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of repetition. Um, Make it fun. You can use guided meditations on apps like Insight Timer, Um, some of the books that we have at home. One of the, the best ones that i found is Meditation for Kids by um, Dejal V. Patel. It is fantastic. It's geared for younger children, like ages four to eight is what it says on the cover. Um, but you can start a little younger depending on the child. And, you know, you can use it for certainly past that age range as well. Um, Jamal Yogis has a book out that is called Mop Rides the Waves of Life. Um, There is Finding Om by Rashmi Bismarck. There's interactive toys. There's this cute little elephant called Omi um, by Mindful Buddies, like B-U-D-D-I-E-Z, that helps kids. You don't, it's the best part about that elephant is the parent doesn't need to be there guiding the child. Um, They can just push a little paw on the elephant and it's like a guided meditation and he's Mm. just super cute and snuggly. Um, so Omi follows my daughter around everywhere she goes. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. Um, and you know, sometimes it, we don't need these formalized meditations. Sometimes what they just need is, like I said, the, the, the meditation can be something as simple as like sitting with your child and doing nothing, like really just being present, seeing if you can maybe make it a game and link your breath up to each other, right? Like your breathing patterns or see if you can trace each other's, um, lines on your hands, right? Just Finding a few minutes of of day where we're not staring at a screen, our attention isn't elsewhere, and you're really connecting with your child can just be so transformative. Um, The other thing is making it a family activity. We are I'm loving virtual school because it starts later than regular school used to. So white kids are still waking up in the morning at the same time. But now we have time to head outside onto the deck or inside if the weather's bad. We have our yoga mats out. We do three rounds of sun salutations, and then we meditate together. And the meditation is all of maybe a minute. And it's just, you know, a very, very brief, I'll let the kids lead, empower them to, you know, choose how they want to meditate. Um, and, and doing it together as a family has really helped kind of recenter and connect us all. So that's something that I would definitely recommend is having your own mindfulness practice away from your kids, but also one where you get to use that time to connect. Um, and then remind them and teach them that we can't just, you know, jump into something it, and and then jump to the next thing. If there's a, there's always a transition period, right? So when you're coming into sitting down to mindfulness, to to be mindful of the things you were doing before you sit down. If you've been running around and, and um, they've been watching TV or they've been playing chase or whatever, give them a few minutes to settle in. And that way, going back to expectations, your expectations, you know, they're never going to be met, especially that first few times. So be patient, make it fun. You know, it doesn't need to be a perfect them sitting still all the time, especially if they're younger, they're not going to sit still. And yes. that is okay.
0: Yes. Oh, those are all great tips. And I agree. I've been meditating for years. And I know that sometimes when I come to my meditation practice, I cannot settle. And, and I don't get frustrated with myself. I just know that there's going to be some meditations where I'm going to do my best, but my body's like, ah. Just like Literally, like I just got plugged into a fuse and kids are the same way. And I I love how you pointed out that for kids, these practices don't necessarily have to take a long time. I think as adults, we're like, I sit down and do exactly this much time. And this is going to be part of our routine, whatever. But for kids, it's all about just getting that habit in there and helping them be aware of how important it really is so that someday they're going to incorporate it into their own practice and they're going to value it as part of their own life, something that actually contributes to their well-being. So that's all wonderful. That's really great.
1: Right. And I would say also too, not to force them Um, if they're not, if today right now is not the time, like just because, you know, one family does it a certain way that does not make it you know, right for your family or your child in that moment, in that time. So never, ever, ever force a child. I'm guilty of making this mistake and it it's just don't do it. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yes. And that goes to a lot of things. Talk about that with food as well. So right. I think as parents, sometimes it's like I said, it's the expectation thing. We want our kids to be these perfect whatevers. And then we're just like, you're going to do it, <laughs> you know, exactly. and it doesn't yeah. end well. Usually it usually it creates the does. opposite result, right? So exactly. no, great point to bring that up. Well, let me yeah. shift gears just a little bit and talk about mindset specifically, because I know when we first started talking about recording this podcast together. You had some really great thoughts about how we can approach mindset in ourselves and our children when it comes to our healthy habits, even just like brushing and flossing and, you know, those kinds of things. So tell me a little bit about mindset and how we can help our children with their mindset when it comes to approaching healthy lifestyle habits.
1: Absolutely. Well, so there's a few things, right? Like from the outset, eating your veggies, making your bed brushing your teeth. Those are all things that really don't have to do with one another necessarily. Um, But they do, because I think we alluded to this earlier, how we as society are programmed to avoid anything that gives us discomfort. If we don't Mm -hmm. want to do it, I mean, there's so many millions of dollars. Just look around with marketing, you know, hey, let's, uh, you know, parents buy this toothbrush and your kid, you know, use this app and your kids will not fight you with brushing and it, and you know, puree your foods and hide them in whatever. And your kids won't fight you on eating veggies. You know, there's all sorts of ways around things, but the reality is it's not the task. That's the problem. It's our attitudes about the task. And the Mm. task is really second. Um, I think it's important in life to understand that Overall, yes, we want to do things that serve our higher purpose and make us happy that fill us with joy. but there's things that we're never going to necessarily you know be truly thrilled about, but there are things that we can understand and accept as part of our daily, healthy, successful living mm-hmm. um, And I feel like once once you explain you know there's just different ways, depending on of course, the age of the child um, the how you approach things like toothbrushing. Um, but sorry, I feel like I'm getting a little sidetracked here. What was, can you reset me back to the,
0: yeah, yeah, no problem. It's how we can help our children, um, approach habits by, by helping them change their mindset. Okay.
1: So, yeah. So I think that the, the biggest thing too is acknowledge their feelings, right? Like, especially the little ones, um, Hey, gut buddy. Like, I I know you don't want to brush your teeth. I get that. Sometimes I don't want to brush my teeth either. Right. That sense of validation is huge, um, and it kind of opens the door for them to to start thinking like, Hey, maybe she's maybe she's not this crazy lady. Maybe she does really understand what I'm saying. Right. And that tends to calm the little monster inside of them that's screaming for attention. Um, but you know, and I think that at, for younger kids, explaining on repeat this is why we're doing this, right? Like what happens, putting on their critical thinking hats, what do you think will happen if X, Y, Z, right? Um, and ha- having them tell you, instead of you being the one saying, uh, if you don't brush your teeth, you're going to get cavities. And then I, this is the the thing I hate to hear is the dentist is going to give you a shot. And it's like, oh, <laughs> I'm not the bad guy. You know I mean? You know this better than anyone. The doctor's going to give you a shot. And you're just like, this I'm not the bad guy here, right? Like I this is I'm here to help you. And um you know the veggies are not the bad guys. They're here to help keep you safe and healthy and strong and um and so I think that that explaining in just depending on where your child is developmentally why you're doing what you're doing will also give them less reason to fight it. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. there's there's all sorts of fun things you can do to without the use of, I'm, I'm strongly against the use of like apps, these like toothbrushing apps that, I mean, and again, you guys, please do what works for your family, Mm -hmm. but I just discourage screen time whenever possible. I feel like in order to use an app or whatever, to get your child to brush their teeth is again, allowing them to avoid the fact that they're brushing their teeth in some way, shape or form. So, you know, making it fun, like singing a song for them Um, giving them choices like, hey, do you want to, um," mundane choices, like, do you want to start on the top or the bottom teeth today? Do you want mom to brush your teeth or do you want dad to brush your teeth? Do you want to try to brush your teeth first and then I brush afterward? Or, you know, just these tiny little choices um, will really help them feel empowered to, to not avoid these things that are typically labeled as parenting challenges. Um, but the biggest thing of all is like celebrating a successful completion, even if it's something small, like you spit in the sink instead of on the faucet, right? Like if that's, if it's a fight and you know, you got them to spit in the sink, like celebrate it because if we want to build positive children and positive images for ourselves, we have to start infusing positivity at every level that we can. Um, so, you know, start small, but, but they, those small choices, they matter.
0: Yeah, that all makes so much sense. And I love how you started with validating feelings. And I would also add to that normalizing as well. Because I think a lot of times we try to make things seem like bad or whatever. But we also don't admit to our kids that, hey, we're human too. Like, I tell my kids all the time. I love donuts. Like if I could eat donuts like all day long, I would eat donuts all day long. I mean, donuts are delicious. Okay. Like who does not believe that donuts are delicious.
1: Exactly.
0: But then we talk about, well, if I eat donuts all the time, it's not necessarily health promoting and I'm not going to feel good. My stomach is probably going to hurt. I'm not going to have the energy I want to have. Maybe these sugar crashes. So I think that validating, like, yeah, I understand. I want to eat the donut or I don't want to eat my broccoli or whatever, you know, and we feel that way. We're normalizing it. But then at the end, helping to anchor it, you know, so once they do finish brushing their teeth, like how does your mouth feel? Doesn't that feel nice when it feels all clean or, you know, are you proud of yourself? Are you so glad you did something you didn't want to do, but you know, is healthy for you? You know, like I think anchoring that in because. Believe it or not, children really do pay attention to those things, even the little ones, whenever you point it out, because that helps bring their awareness back into their body. Just like talking about this mindfulness and then remembering that. And the more they remember that, the pleasure of completing that task, the pleasure of how it feels to do that thing, the more likely it's going to become a habit. So yeah, those are all great. I love how we just like broke that apart.
1: Yeah. And I think the the other thing I really wanted to add, if I may, is um, gratefulness. Yes, because I, the reason I am big on like things like making your bed, right? Or I mean, obviously, I'm going to be big on brushing your teeth, but um, things like that, things that we don't want to do. I think if you know, it's so easy to complain, even as adults. Mm-hmm. But the the antidote to that is really gratitude, right? Like, there's so many things to complain about, but there's so many more things to be grateful for. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I like I tell my kids. I mean, it's not it's we don't have toothbrush wars in our house anymore, but when we did when they were toddlers and stuff, I would talk to them about like, Oh, I'm so happy that you chose to take care of your body because we've been given just this one body, and if we don't take care of it, you know, we can't do all these fun things, like eating cake or eating those yummy brussels sprouts or you know whatever it may be the The bed is a, an easy one for me that I keep going back to because it's like be grateful that you had a, a place to sleep. That, that's mm-hmm. why we make our bed, right? Yes, our room looks tidy. Yes, it makes you feel like you started you know, accomplishment, uh, accomplishing something at the very start of your day, all that. But my main reason for getting my kids to um, make their bed is we are grateful that we have a bed that we got to sleep in last night. And by making our bed, we're showing that we are grateful for that gift. Mm-hmm. And my kids make their beds. It's not really yeah. a fight.
0: Yeah. You need to come to my house and help me learn that gratitude (laughs) practice about making the bed. My husband will be very happy if, if I learn that I'm not the best, but I can see how that would work and I'm going to try it. I'm going to make the bed and then, you know, reflect on the gratitude I have for my, my bed. But no, I think, I think that's beautiful. So thank you so much for bringing that up. Well, what do you wish more parents knew?
1: Um, I think we touched on it earlier It's so much of parenting is really about you um, and not about the child it's not about controlling the child it's not about imposing you know of course we are there to guide we are there you're know, not saying this should be permissive um, but I really wish I had known from the outset that that so much of the work that needs to be done is on the parent um, so that's one thing, but the second thing is you always have a choice. You always have a choice. No matter if you have already spewed hot anger, you, the second you are made aware of that, you have a choice to stop and try to turn things around. Begin again, push the reset button, do whatever you need to do to, to make that situation more favorable. You have a choice when it comes to the types of foods that you give your child. Bedtimes, the type of toothpaste you pick, all of these things, like physically buying things, you have a choice. Don't don't be on autopilot. I encourage all parents, all people, to 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 try to wake up and make more conscious choices. Um, because the reality is, if you really knew what your choices were, you would probably make different ones. Yes. Um, and so you know and that i feel like kind of goes along with the working on yourself bit
0: yes that is so profound and i really do believe that most people don't feel like they have a choice they do right. feel trapped they feel like oh i i'm just stuck this is the only thing i can do but every moment is an opportunity for a reset and it's never too late i have moms that come to me with children that are just 18 months old and they're just like i feel like i've ruined their whole health and i'm like no you haven't. You're good. <laughs> you're <Fine>. good okay. <laughs> let's just, let's just incorporate, start incorporating something new today. It's going right. to be okay. So I love that you always have a choice. You always have a choice. That's so beautiful. Well, tell me about what personal habit you're most proud of, how you developed it and how you maintain it.
1: Um, the gratitude is certainly one thing, um, it's been transformative the, you know, the, the habit of before I wake up, or not before I wake up, excuse me, when I wake up in the morning, I try to think of something that I'm really, really, really grateful for. Um, and in the beginning, it started out with like, I'm grateful for my health, I'm grateful for my husband, I'm grateful for my kids, like the, the obvious stuff. But the more and more I practiced it, I noticed things like, I'm grateful for the way the pillowcase feels against my cheek. I'm grateful that I can feel the pillowcase against my cheek, right? Those things kind of start to develop. And it's amazing to see the transformation that happens when you start practicing gratitude. Um, So I think the gratitude is certainly one thing. Uh, And again, asking, asking why, why am I doing this? What is my goal here? Is my goal to, you know, get my kids to brush their teeth or is my goal to help them develop a healthy habit? Is my goal to help them do what I say and make the bed? Or is my goal to teach them gratitude for the fact that they had a bed? Mm -hmm. Is it my goal to, you know, you could go on and on and on, right? Like, why am I doing what I'm doing? Or why am I expecting X, Y, Z of my child? Because then you can adjust your expectations or you can have a conversation with your child about those expectations. And it really turns into a whole different ballgame. Mm.
0: I love it. That's beautiful. Yeah. And and that approach to gratitude, one thing that I've realized about gratitude is that gratitude is infinite. You can break it down. You can slice it into the smallest things. I mean, just like you said, you can start with, I'm grateful for having a bed. I'm grateful for how the sheets feel. I'm grateful that this material even exists. I'm grateful for the the rays of the sunlight. I'm grateful that there's even a sun. I mean, you could go on forever and ever and ever. Yes. and it really is a practice because at the beginning, you may only think of a few things, and the more you practice, the more you realize it's infinite. There's so many things to be grateful for, and it just leaves you with such positive feelings, good endorphins. I mean, it's just a really great practice. so right. Thank you for sharing that. well, Dr. Desai, this has been a Fabulous conversation. I know that so many parents are going to benefit from listening to this episode. So, can you please tell us how listeners can connect with you?
1: Uh, you can find me on Instagram. It's at dr.seema Desai. Um, I have a blog. It's seema says namaste.com. Um, yeah, I think that that's, that's pretty much the, the two main ways to reach me. Awesome. And you are a practicing dentist currently? Yes. I, well, I'm home right now because thank you, COVID. But yes. Um, but yes, I have practiced general dentistry. I've been a dentist for about 11 years now. And I've spent most of my time actually uh, practicing dentistry and serving our geriatric population in the nursing homes. Aww. So yeah, it's been a really, really amazing journey to be able to serve um, that population.
0: That's beautiful. Well, I almost went into geriatrics and then I switched into pediatrics.
1: (laughs) So I went from one spectrum to
0: another, but there's actually more similarities than people think.
1: 100%.
0: That's awesome. Okay. So the last thing I would love from you is to leave us with a call to action. What one thing can we start doing today to improve our lives?
1: I would certainly advocate for starting a gratefulness practice. Um, it's something that takes minimal time and you can do it whenever you want. I would suggest either first thing in the morning or before going to bed. Mm -hmm. And the reason is because your thoughts and intentions for the day matter and how you sleep at night matters and it affects the next day. So either start your day with with that feeling of gratitude um, and you'll feel it, right? Like your your heart's going to explode. Like that, that type of gratitude is what you're eventually seeking. Mm-hmm. Um, but starting off the day with that or ending the day with that is just such a, a you know, physiologically, I'm sure you could explain in more depth why the, the endorphins and things have such a great, uh, you know, anti-stress effect and everything else. But, uh, that, that is something that t- takes very little time. You can write it down. Um, that does help actually kind of seal it in, but if you don't have time, that's fine, right? You can always reset. You always have a choice. You can always reset a situation. You know, your child upset you take a deep breath and find something to be grateful for before dealing with that situation, right? Mm -hmm. Having that gratitude practice is something that really, really can change your life and change the lives of those that live with you.
0: So beautiful. I love it. Thank you so much for this wonderful conversation. So glad that I've met you and I can't wait to get to know you further and work with you further. So thank you so much for joining us on Veggie Doctor Radio. And I hope that you have a very fantastic day. Thank you so much for having me. It was a blast. Hey, veggie lover. I hope that you loved today's episode. Will you take a second and do me a huge favor? Please subscribe to my podcast so that you never miss an episode. You're the reason I'm here and I want to share it all with you. Thank you for listening and have a fantastic day.